Yes. Well, if you have your Bible today, I'm really excited to share this message today out of John chapter 7. I want you to go to John chapter 7. Now, if you do have the Bible app on your phone, you can always uh, launch that app and find us as a live event. And uh, you can follow along there on your phone. I know a lot of you are, are using your, your e-Bible. Um, you know, it's well lit. I know that, uh, know that works for me in dark uh, circumstances, you know. So maybe we could even raise up the house lights a little bit so everybody can see uh, the Bible 1.0. Uh, 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 and uh, yeah, the Bible 1.0, that's on the paper. And, and so we want you uh, this morning... To understand this from the very, very beginning, today and in this season, God is bringing people out of spiritual drought. What we have been noticing over the last couple of weeks is that there is a fresh outpouring and a fresh move of God that we're experiencing. Can I just testify a little bit before we get to the message? You know, uh, we, we do a, a prayer meeting every day here that the offices are open called Daily Prayer. It's at 9 a.m. All of you are welcome to come. We would love for you to be a part of that. It's a time of worship and a time of prayer. It's incredible. If you can be a part of it, be a part of it. But we had a, a young man walk in with crutches on Monday, just came in with his mom, was just coming. Uh, to pray and 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 he was he was he's classic teenager you know he's just like any other teenager he's got a drug problem not the kind that you're thinking oh no he's he's being drugged to church all the time okay he's got a drug problem and and so uh he was being drugged to to prayer that day and you know that day someone from daily prayer just saw his crutches and had some kindness and compassion in their heart and they said hey what happened and they said do you mind if i prayed for you and he said, no, no, that's fine. And uh, he received prayer, walked out on the crutches. But somewhere between here and Walmart, when he went to get out of the car to go shopping with his mom, suddenly all of the pain had gone. All of it, supernaturally. And this is, this is I'm telling you, he, he couldn't believe it. He walked into daily prayer the next day. No crutches. Can I just tell you it's a new season where it's not about a pastor, it's not necessarily about those in vocational ministry, it's about God saying, I'm bringing my whole bride into a brand new season of fellowship with me, of walking with me, of working with me, and, and this is the time where you and I need to say, okay God, how do I go from where I am to where you would like me to be? And the answer is, and we've been hearing it for weeks, is holy fire. Holy fire. You say, what is holy fire? The fire is representative in the scripture of this, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God to take us to where he wants us to be. And Jesus spoke something. I, I spoke a message last week called uh, Holy Fire about Pentecost and what that, what that feast meant and, and what happened on that day of Pentecost and how it was a, a required time. Today, I'm going to take you to another feast. It's another Jewish feast, and it's another uh, day of, of required attendance. It's another day where, where everyone was expected to be in Jerusalem. And on this day, Jesus spoke again about the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to see today in the Scripture what he is saying. Because church, listen, 
I don't know if you've noticed, but church as normal isn't working. It's not working. You know, if we're more concerned about our 55-minute services than we are about having an actual encounter with God, our world will go to hell faster than you could ever imagine. That already our society has come and has fallen apart more in the last 10 years than we have ever seen it fall apart. People rejecting biblical values, basic principles that we have known since the beginning of time. These things falling apart before our very eyes. There is one answer, and it's not to go hide in a cave and pray for the return of Christ. It is to stand boldly and say, God, would you send fire from heaven and pour out your spirit on my life so that I can shine as your light in the last hour. That is what we need, church. That is what God desires to do in every single one of us. No matter whether you're introverted or extroverted. No matter whether you are quiet or loud. God wants to do something wonderful in your life. And today I want to speak to you a message called Holy Fired. Filled and flowing. Filled and flowing. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, say something very powerful. These are the words of Jesus. It says this, and on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is a very crucial verse for us to understand if we're going to begin to really understand the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, as I mentioned last week, we are going to spend weeks on getting to know the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend weeks unpacking really who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. But I felt as if the Lord said, unless you awaken thirst, you will miss what I have for you. Unless there is a genuine thirst for the person of the Holy Spirit, we could miss out on what he wants to do for us. Now, this says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, uh, you know, uh, the casual Bible reader, you would read over that and you would think to yourself, well, uh, okay, some, some, something Jewish was happening there. All right, let's keep going. And, uh, but this feast was the feast of Sukkot. And Sukkot is uh, maybe a more, uh, more modern way of saying it. It's the, the feast of tabernacles or the festival of booths. And uh, there was a couple of things that they were celebrating at that time. The reason it was called the festival of booths is because what they were remembering was how God took care of them as they were temporarily dwelling in the wilderness for the 40 years. They are remembering how when they had nothing, God supplied for them. When they had one pair of shoes, it, they never wore out. It was, it, was, it was this idea that God, when there was no water, you showed up and gave us water from a rock. So they lived in these temporary dwellings, and as uh, kind of a, 
a fun way of celebrating and remembering that uh, during this feast, what they would do is they would build some of these temporary structures and celebrate all week long in Jerusalem. Now, after, uh, I don't want to give too many details to you, but you know, when the temple was standing, this lasted for seven days. When the temple was knocked down in the, in the diaspora, it actually became eight days. And so here, this is the final day of this feast. And there's something wonderful that is happening as Jesus is speaking these words. What would happen is every day during the middle of this feast, the priests would go down to the pool of Siloam. And there they would draw out with a pitcher water. They would carry this pitcher of water up the way of the pilgrim in Jerusalem and bring it to the altar where God had started the fire. And what they would do is they would pour the water on the fire as an offering to the Lord. They would do this every day. Now, this was not something solemn. This every day was the most riotous rejoicing that the city saw all year. I mean, when they would draw this water, people would play instruments, they would sing, they would dance. Matter of fact, one of the historians of, uh, of the day of Christ, after the temple had been built during those times, they said, unless one's eyes have, has seen the rejoicing of Sukkot, you have never seen rejoicing. So imagine this, this is the feast and every day the city starts to fill with shouts and fill, fill with joy and dancing as they're bringing this water, remembering that God supplies what they need in adverse circumstance. And then as they are pouring the water on the altar, Jesus says, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, there is something that I discovered in my research of this um, that really connects itself to what we have been talking about for weeks. So not only is Sukkot the... Uh, the time of celebrating because of God providing for them in the wilderness, it is also a time of celebration because Sukkot, the day of this celebration, marks the end of the dry season. It marks the end of a dry season. Matter of fact, the people of God would celebrate and worship uh, so exuberantly, why? Because they knew that God's favor was about to be poured on the land in a, in a very practical way. See, they're an agrarian society. And now, in this time, in the fall, they need the rain to come. And in just the right amounts, by the way. They don't need, they don't need a flood. They don't, they don't need their things to be washed away. They need the right amount of rain. They need for the dry season to end. End, 
and the rainy season to begin. And what I want to tell you is that when Jesus here begins to speak to the people and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. He is saying openly and boldly, listen, your dry season spiritually has come to an end. Somebody needs to hear that today because I I can tell from the way you are looking at me that some of y'all came in here dry. We got about 100 cups of coffee if it need to warm you up a little bit here at the 8 a.m., okay? All right. I'm telling you today that you need to begin to understand that as we look at this, we need to see that Jesus is saying you're, it, that there is an end of your dry season. Don't you remember what we talked about two weeks ago? A couple weeks ago, Israel is in a dry season three and a half years. And what was God's answer for the ending of the dry season? I'm going to send fire from heaven. After he sends fire from heaven, he says to Elijah, Elijah, go tell Ahab, unless you leave right now, the rain is going to overtake you. He goes up, he prays, he sees a cloud about the size of a man's hand, and he looks at Ahab, and he says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. All he knew was, as God had said, this dry dry season is over. This dry season has come to an end. God ended the dry season by sending fire from heaven and it shifted the atmosphere and the rains began to fall. Now, an entire week of celebration was devoted to the water and these things, these actually, they actually went into the night. There was no, uh, no, no short celebration. And there is something that you and I need to grasp from this as God is bringing people into spiritual fullness, as he's filling your life with his presence. He's filling it with truth. Jesus laid it out here very, very, uh, very succinctly, and I want, you to, I, I want to share with you these three steps of, of coming into the fullness of Christ. First, you've got to recognize your true need. You've got to recognize your true need. There was this man um, uh, who was going to this church, and uh, he, 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 he would go to the church, and then about halfway uh, through the sermon, he would leave, and then he would come back. Because the pastor was known for having these long sermons. They would just kind of drone on. So this man would get up and leave. And then he would come back. And one day the pastor finally asked him. He said, hey, I just want to know, why do you get up in the middle of the service and, and, and leave and, uh, and then come back? He goes, oh, well, I go get a, I go get a haircut. <laughs> he said, well, why didn't you go get a haircut before the sermon? He goes, I didn't need one. <laughs> now listen, <laughs> I say that to you, let me just tell you that if you, if you don't recognize your need for God, somebody, if they share five minutes on Christ, you'll be wanting to push the, the exit button. You'll be wanting to say, I, I need to eject out of here. I don't really have a thirst. And here's what Jesus said. He said, if anyone 
thirst. If anyone is thirsty, he said, this begins with a recognition of your true need. And no, I, I love this. Jesus is not talking about a physical thirst. This is talking about a spiritual thirst. In, this mid, in the midst of, of, of saying God is bringing us in to a new season. He's taking us out of a dry season and into a season of blessing. He's not talking about a physical thirst, a spiritual thirst. And, and you and I need to realize that we as man, we are a, 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 much like God. God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Man is a much uh, inferior, so please hear those words, a much inferior Trinity that we are, we are both body, we are soul, that would be like our mind, our will, and emotions, and then we're, our, uh, we're a spirit. So we have these three, body, soul, and spirit, and each part has its own need. We have body drives, right? We need air, okay? All of us in here are breathing. We need oxygen. Uh, we, we, we have, of course, we need water, as I mentioned. We're all thirst, and, and we all know that we need that, that spirit-baptized chicken that comes in pickle juice on a southern bun, two pickles on it, made by Jesus at Chick-fil-A. We all have that need. Come on. Man, anybody blessed? Listen, don't get too happy, okay? They're closed today. So we all have a hunger. It's built in. Our body has some, has some physical needs, but then our, our soul, our, our emotions, we're, we're emotional creatures. We have emotional needs, and I know this is simplistic, but, but we need to be reminded, you know, uh, as, as human beings, we need love. We need each other. We need, uh, we need uh, security. We need to feel needed. Men in the room, we need to feel honored in order to, to, to come into the, the place that God has, has called us uh, to be. Those are, those are soulish needs. But there is a spirit part of you that has a need as well. The spirit part of you is the part that is so, so uh, misunderstood. We just think of, oh, the spirit part of me, I just, I give my life to Jesus and then I just leave that alone. No, the spirit part of you has needs as well. And it's only filled by God himself. It's only filled by God himself. And we have to discern the inadequacies of trying to fill the spiritual thirst with a physical or emotional experience. Come on, I need to say that again. That we have to discern the inadequacies of trying to fill the spiritual thirst for the living God for, with a physical or emotional experience. This spiritual thirst, it's, it's universal, and every one of us has experienced it. Now, you in this place, you may have sought to subdue it. You may have sought to cover up this spiritual thirst. We often try to substitute it. We have a longing deep in our spirit to be known, to be recognized, and what do we do? Sometimes... Uh, we'll, we'll search for physical relationships on earth in order to meet a spiritual thirst. But how many of you know a physical relationship on earth will not meet your need to know God? 
And oftentimes we as human beings, we, we do not aptly discern the needs of our spirit. We just try to consistently feed our flesh and feed our emotions, hoping that uh, that, that other thirst will go away. Let me tell you, it will not go away. God designed it. It's created by God, and only he can satisfy. And this longing has even been identified by secular psychologists. And because they're secular psychologists, they do not leave in uh, that this God equation. Secular psychologists call this simply frustration. They say there is something in the longing of man that says, I'm, I'm aware that there is more to life, but I seem to have an inability to achieve full satisfaction on my own. And so they see this, they observe it, and they say, yeah, that can only be described as frustration. Let me just tell you, it's not frustration. God doesn't give you a spiritual thirst to frustrate you. God gives you a spiritual thirst so that you, when you hear him give you an invitation, you take him up on the invitation. He gives you a spiritual, and listen, and you can know God. You can know him. Not like a far off, not in just some religious manner. I mean completely relationally. You see, to the woman at the well, Jesus said this. He answered her and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Speaking of natural water. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him, he will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He is saying, listen, if you are thirsty, you need to come and drink. Well, that begs the question, okay, how do, I, how do I come and drink? This second one. Not only do we need to realize our need, we need to repent and return. We need to repent and return. That is how you come and drink. You turn from your own ways and you return to the Lord. He says, let him come unto me and drink. Let me just say it as plainly as I can. You need a meaningful relationship with God. Stop just declaring, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. No, you need a meaningful relationship where you know him. You know his thoughts. You know his word. You begin to know his spirit and his will. You know, this is the gospel in its purest form. It's come unto me and drink. Isaiah 55 says it very well in verses 1 through 3. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the water, and you have no money. Come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Uh, Incline your ear and come to me and hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, what you are after, you can't buy with money. It's already been purchased for you. 
What you desire has been purchased for you. Let me, let me explain that to you. When Jesus came and died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead, he purchased for us a way to come into meaningful relationship with God. You think it's just about you getting your sins forgiven? No. Getting your sins forgiven unlocks a real relationship with God. You think it, you, he came just so you could be in heaven? Just so you could get a mansion just over the hillside where some, some great great day you'll never grow old listen you're just wanting to get rid of arthritis and live in a better neighborhood you think the cross is about that no the cross washes us cleanses us makes us new gives us a righteousness we could never earn and then welcomes us into eternal life which is knowing him now and living for him eternally this is the gospel. We've got to have meaningful relationships with God. Notice what Revelation twenty two seventeen. speaking of, of what goes on in the last hour. Listen, that's the hour that we're living in. It says this, and the spirit and bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Listen to these words. And let him who thirsts Come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Listen, if you're thinking, I've got to get some stuff together, I've got to get my act together, I've got to get free of this addiction, free of this way of thinking, free of this brokenness. No, come and drink of the waters of life from Jesus because he is saying, listen, it's now time to repent and return. It's now time to come into the family of God. It's now time to come into a meaningful relationship with the Lord because he not only wants to do something in you, he wants to do something through you. I think sometimes in our Pentecostal and charismatic circles, we're, we're looking for the next great revelation, but sometimes we forget the gospel in its purest form. Never forget these words about what happens in a life when we believe the words of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Never forget Romans 10, 9 through 13, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be rescued. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is what you need to say. You need to see that if you're, if you're ready to take the step of drinking and getting that spiritual thirst met, it happens when you repent and you return, return to the Lord. It is when you place faith in what Christ did and then you what? Confess it. 
You confess it. You just say, Jesus, I declare you. I openly and boldly declare you as my Lord and Savior. And this opens the door. To this final step toward fullness in Christ. We need to recognize our true need. We need to repent and return. But then this one, listen, this is so crucial and very simple. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you get born again, yes, you receive a measure of God's Spirit. But there is a secondary grace that comes when you ask for the Holy Spirit, when you say, God, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I love this, this, this passage because uh, it says this, especially in the King James, it says it this way. It says, out of his belly. I love that. We don't, we don't use that term enough. Maybe, maybe children use that, you know, as they look up and they say, pop, pop, you belly. Yep. There it is. Yes. Thanks for pointing that out. I'll try to cover that up. You belly. And we, we talk about, you know, uh, I love how King James says it. It says, out of his belly shall flow rivers. Out of uh, uh, New King James, heart. Uh, I believe NIV says it this way. It says, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Isn't it interesting that Jesus takes the one area that in the flesh can never be satisfied and says, I'm going to use that area. Matter of fact, in Philippians 3, in a warning against people who really don't follow God, who are really living for themselves, it says this, whose God is their belly. You need to understand this. This, 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 this terminology is not uh, usually used in, in the frame of reference as being something good because most people are led by their bellies. Most people are led by what they can feel. But Romans 8, 14 said, these are the sons of God that are led by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, if you are thirsty and you come to me and drink and you believe, Lord, out of your belly will, this word in Greek is so good, flow. Flow. It means spring forth. I heard one Bible teacher describe it this way, gush. Kids know gush. They come in a little packet. They're called gushers. Well, what are gushers? Gushers on the outside look like a normal gummy until you take it out and you put it in your mouth and you bite it and it gushes in your mouth. Let me just say to you, I wonder if in any interaction with you out in our community, are you gushing? Are you gushing? When pressure gets put on you, when someone cuts you off and tells you number one with their, you're number one with their tallest finger, are you gushing? Yeah, you're like, yeah, my flesh goes to gushing. No, no. No, Jesus said, it will be out of your belly. 
It'll be out of that place that used to lead you. It'll be out of that place that used to demand that you you just follow your instincts. But now, because you came to Jesus and you drank and you got what? Baptized in the Spirit, suddenly a spring starts to come out of you. A gushing. A gushing of what? God himself. What if our problem has been uh, in, in the church having an impact on culture? It's because we stopped gushing. We stopped gushing. We thought, oh, well, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be that weird one. I don't want to be that one that steps on anybody's toes. I can remember, I remember people saying, you know, I... I just don't want to shove the Bible down their throat. And yet when those same people have children, they'll look at their kids and say, don't get up until you're, you're, you're finished with your dinner. What are you doing? You're positioning them before something that is very good for them. And you know that they don't have the mindset to know what is good for them. And sometimes you do need to be that one that says, God, I will be that one for, at the, for the sake of looking weird in the community, of, of being misunderstood. I will be the one that gushes. I'll be the one that prays for the sick. I'll be the one that preaches the gospel. I'll be the one that holds up the line. I'll be the one that prays for the girl in checkout who's sick. Have you ever done that? I pray that you would. It's glorious when it happens. I remember one day a girl behind the counter, you know, uh, right before COVID, you know, you could still go to work when you had a sniffle. Now if you have sniffle, you get a week's vacation. So... Uh, the test doesn't come back for three days, so you get a test, you get three days off. So anyways, I remember this girl, she, was, she had her tissue. I said, you look like you don't feel very well. She goes, I don't. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? Now listen, you already know that Walmart, <laughs> anything that holds up the line is about to start a riot. <laughs> Unless you're gushing. And I reached across and laid hands on this girl and prayed for her. I'll never forget, you know, as I'm praying for this girl and asking God to touch her right there at the risk of looking strange, at the risk of not fitting in, at the risk of being rejected by the 10 people behind me in line. I actually wasn't looking them in the eye on purpose. <laughs> kind of leaned with my left arm, put them right by me. I'm like, I just can't even look at their faces. <laughs> Prayed for this girl, and she was so grateful. And as I said, in Jesus' name, amen. I'll never forget this. F guy, Four guys back had taken off his hat, and when I said amen, he shouted, amen. <laughs> I wonder, listen, listen. I wonder 
if more of the church isn't waiting on someone to just gush around them and it would give them permission to release the river of life that God wants to release through you. Listen, that river, some of you, you're like, man, I can't even imagine living this way. Here's why. Because this verse in verse 39, John 7, 39, it's like an aha moment for John. John says, he says, Jesus, he, it's in parentheses. It says, Jesus spoke this concerning the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given because Christ had not yet been glorified. What does that mean? That simply means this, Christ had not died, been resurrected, and then ascended and taken his place at the right hand of the Father. Maybe one day I'll share this message called the glorification and exaltation of Christ. You will then understand why it's so important within the scriptures that you hear these words, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of the Father. You see, Jesus said, I am going to my Father, and when I get there, I then will send the Spirit of God to you. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the disciples was proof Jesus was where he said he was going. I love the Word of God. Listen, I, I, but here's, here's what you need to understand. This is John going, wait, wait, now I understand. I heard him say it that day in the temple. I heard him say, you know, that out of their belly will flow rivers of the living water. But after Pentecost, after getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, he says, oh, now I understand Sukkot. Now I understand the end of the dry season. Now I understand of, from going from a disciple who was still following their belly to becoming a disciple that was allowing God to flow from their belly, flow from their innermost being. And I, I just want you to know, God is never satisfied in just filling your thirst. His desire is that you are not just full, but you're running over. He wants you to run over. Come on, some of you are like, well, I need a Bible verse. Man, you don't have to look very far. Most of you have this one memorized, Psalm 23. He says, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. My cup runs over. I know that messes with some of your sensibilities, but God doesn't want to just quench your spiritual thirst. He wants to uncap a spring of life through the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that everywhere we go, we are gushing the life that comes from Christ. First, God moves so he can minister to us. But then... He ministers and moves so he can minister through us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is really what makes you gush Jesus. And for us here at Calvary, this is very important. I see in this room a couple of people, three people already wearing these, these shirts. On the back of it is the verse I'm about to quote. It was a verse that God whispered to me. Last year, about a year ago this time, he said, there will be one thing that marks what I do 
in 2022 in Calvary. It's from Isaiah 44.3. And it says this, but this he spoke. It says, for I will, rather, Isaiah 44.3, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Do you see it here? It all comes together. He ends the dry season. He quenches your spiritual thirst. But the answer in order for you to be able to minister to sons and daughters is an outpouring of God's spirit in your life. We, each one of us, need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's no replacing it. That is why when the water was poured out on the fire, the whole town was celebrating. The whole town was rejoicing. Why? Because he was saying, the water we need, God is sending in abundance. And Jesus said, I am the one that unlocks this experience. I am the one. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Have you ever taken time to think, God, what does my life look like under your full control and influence? God, what does my life look like if the fire of God comes and touches me? What does my life look like when I move from just going through religious experience and I enter into meaningful relationship with you? What does my, look like, my life look like when I open the word and it explodes with revelation? What does my life look like when I, I incline my ear to heaven and the Lord speaks to me not only about myself but about others he longs to minister to? What does my life look like when God says to pray for the sick and suddenly they recover? cover right before my very eyes. What does my life look like when I hear God say something and he says, you say it, and with no natural knowledge, you say the things that God is saying, and suddenly it becomes a prophetic moment. I have to tell you that that is the church that God is raising up, and it starts with a thirst for God. It starts by knowing Jesus is the only way to be washed, to be cleansed, and to be positioned for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. By the way, listen, Pentecost, everyone was required to attend. Sukkot, everyone required to attend. So again, as we are taking weeks to unpack this about the Holy Spirit, I have to tell you and confront the lie where you have heard the Holy Spirit is only for some. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all. It's for all. It's for all. And I have this question for you. Would you dream with your pastor here for a moment? What's it look like when a whole company, maybe something more relational will would be apropos when a whole family in Christ says, oh, he came and quenched my thirst, but not only did he meet my thirst, 
He poured out his spirit in my life. And he moves through me in ways I could have never imagined. What happens when a people say, okay, God, I'm all in. I'm ready to be filled and flowing. I'm going to lay down my, my religious background and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Lord, do in me whatever it takes to reach the broken, reach the addict, reach the diseased, reach those who are openly confessing atheism. Help me, God, to be the ones who come to you, drink, and are filled and flowing.